So why is it so hard for us to change? And why do I need God's power in order to change and experience transformation? Now, I want to lay out a couple of principal thoughts for you to consider, and I want to unpackage this for you from a teaching standpoint today. Here would be a couple of the just simple thoughts as we get into this conversation. Number one, there is an invisible war. There is a war taking place right now in the cosmos and the heavenlies. There is a battle between good and bad, between light and darkness, between the holiness of God and evil. There is an invisible war that we can't see 24-7 taking place. Here would be the second premise thought that I would, I would really encourage you to consider. We have an enemy that is real. Satan prowls around like a roaring lion seeking anyone to devour. The scripture tells us that the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. We have an enemy that is real. We have an enemy that has an expiration date to him. He's not greater than, but he's real. And he can wreak havoc and hell in your life. Here would be the third observation. We need each and every one of us, divine power if we're going to win day after day after day in this world. Now, let me say this. On the back of your Connect card, you will see uh, a box there where we have a, a class that's going on on Wednesday nights, the second and fourth Wednesdays, that is dealing with spiritual warfare, putting on the armor of God that my brother Dan and his wife Heather are leading. I would highly encourage you as we get into this conversation, many of you need to go ahead and jump into that class now. They've been meeting for a couple of weeks, but it's not too late to get in it. My buddy Paul was sharing with me uh, this week of just the impact that that has already had in his life. You'll hear Paul share his story uh, on the backside of our time today. But I would highly encourage you as we break this down to say, you know what, I need to be a part of being equipped and trained for this war that I find myself in. Now, I want to read through a text. I'll come back to it on the backside and kind of give more explanation in detail. But 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. I memorized this text years ago as a young believer. I would highly encourage you to memorize 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. But it says this, For though we live in the world, we... Do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, the weapons we fight with, they have divine power for demolishing strongholds. We demolish every argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now, I would highly encourage you to become familiar with this text. If you see the, the, the word we, it's mentioned many times, which means we means all of us are in the same battle. All of us need the same power. All of us need to be pulling together and working together if we're going to experience victory. Now, here would be some basic questions to ponder for self-introspection as we get into this talk. Now, listen to me. 
Is there an area in your life right now that you just can't gain victory in? You look at it and you go, why am I staying defeated in this same area over and over and over? Is there an area in your life you go, I can't gain victory? Second question would be this. Is there a reoccurring sin that continues just to beat you up and keep you discouraged? Is there a reoccurring sin? Now, we're told in Corinthians that there's temptation for all of us. It's common to man, but you have certain temptations that you battle that I don't. We call it variable temptation. All of us are tempted and lured to do certain things apart from the will of God. Is there a reoccurring sin in your life? Question three, is there an area in your life that you refer to just as a bad habit? You've excused it away. It's not that bad. Uh, it's just a little habit that I have. Is there something in your life like that? Is there an attitude or an action that's characteristic in your family? When you go back and look at your parents, your grandparents, Scripture talks about generational stuff being passed on. Is there something that you look at going, yeah, this is dominant in my bloodline? Why? Are there negative thoughts constantly on your mind? It would be a question. Are you living in denial? Have you suppressed it, unwilling to confess it, unwilling to address it, and you just say, I, I, I'm just going to stay in denial? No, nobody else really knows about it. It's really not hurting that many other people. I, I'm just going to live in denial. And as soon as you get there, if any of these are real dominant in your life right now, I can promise you, you will live a discouraged life, a defeated life, a disrupted life, and the collateral damage that you're creating in your family is grave whether you realize it or not. Now, here's the promise based on 2 Corinthians chapter 10. The weapons of our warfare have divine power, supernatural power. They transcend human resources. The weapons that we have have divine power to demolish strongholds. We're going to break it down. This is a promise for every born-again believer, for every person that has repented, placed their faith in Jesus Christ. We're promised that God has given us divine, supernatural power to defeat anything that the enemy, the world can throw at us. This is important. I believe this with all my heart. I believe that I don't have to live in the logical. I can live in the theological. And I don't have to live just in the natural. I can live in the supernatural based on the Spirit of God. Now, this is a promise for us. Very important for you to get this working definition. A stronghold is a thought process that hinders your spiritual growth. A stronghold is a thought process that hinders your spiritual growth. It is a mindset that is now trapped in hopelessness, phones off, and it causes me to accept as something being unchangeable that I know is opposed and contrary to the will of God. As soon as I start to accept what I know to be opposed to the will of God, 
What I'm saying is, man, my thought process is all jacked up. This is an area of bondage to me. Now, one of the things that we see repeatedly is so many people live in hopelessness. They just don't feel like there's any hope for them. It means that you have become convinced that you have no control and cannot stop doing what you're doing. It's just the way you are. It's just the way you're going to be. Once you get to that place, you will live in habitual defeat, discouragement, and I'm just telling you right now, there's no joy, there's no peace, you're, 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 you're beat up. Now, Ephesians chapter 4 lays out some strongholds, verses 22 and 23. Strongholds are sin. They're not just areas that I'm, I'm being pacified in the flesh to just kind of partake in. Strongholds are sin. As I read through this list, I want you to think about where you're at. Ephesians 4, 22, lying. Lying. There's a young man that started attending church here a while back. He came over to our house. Outside of his name, I didn't believe anything that he said. Barb and I looked at this young man, and it's like, until there is divine intervention... Tremendous brokenness and repentance. This kid is a habitual liar. And it took my boys a little bit, and then they looked at me and said, I don't know if he ever tells the truth. You're no fun to be with. You're corrupt. You're diseasing everything around you when you get to that place. Stealing. Stealing is not only taking from Another person, what belongs to them, it's withholding from that person something that belongs to them. There's multiple forms of stealing. And I know people that steal. My buddy Terry Pendleton told me when he grew up in South Central L.A. and Watts, he said when people came to their house, his daddy would tell some of these boys, as soon as you walk in the door, son, I just want you to clap the whole time you're here. Because if you're clapping, you can't pick nothing up, so just keep clapping. I was like, go ahead, T. That's a different kind. Anger is a stronghold for some people. Constantly just ticked off and mad. Corrupt communication. Open your mouth, you're dogging somebody, dogging yourself, putting somebody down, ripping on somebody. It's a stronghold. Uh, here's another one, bitterness. As I said last week, bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. You hold on to it. One of the definitions of arthritis is bitterness of the bones. And it's like, I've become so bitter, it's starting to, to lock me up. Wrath, slander, malice. There's some people you know, and it may be you. You're, you're slanderous. You gossip. You maliciously just tear other people apart. Every word that comes out of your mouth is a word of death and destruction. It's a stronghold. And you're eliminating the possibility of the Holy Spirit having freedom in your life, being able to work in you and through you for the glory of God the way God desires. Some other 
list in the scripture things like unforgiveness. I've had people tell me that. I'm not going to forgive them. And you walk around as a prisoner yourself. Addictions. And addictions come in all shapes and sizes. I mean, we most often uh, gravitate toward things like sex and alcohol and drugs. But can I tell you, anger, unforgiveness, all this stuff. You can become addicted to this stuff, bitter and just resentful. And it it destroys you. Uh, Feelings of rejection. You're anticipating somebody putting you down, so you go ahead and you do things just so that you can experience what you've already prescribed. I see people do that. Negative self-image is a huge one in our society. Negative self-image is a huge trap for so many people. How we see ourselves, how we think others see us trying to measure up all the time. Why? And there's so many people that this is a stronghold. Your hair never looks good enough. Your weight's never right. Your clothing's never good enough. And you walk around and you're, 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 you're tied up because you're living for the approval and the attention of others. And God goes, stop it. You look the way you look. Come on. I care about the heart. Immorality, sexual activity, it's a bondage for some. Occult involvement. Some people are playing around with things of witchcraft. Can I tell you this? This is crazy. Based on 1 Samuel, partial obedience is like witchcraft. It's what God told Saul. When you just partially obey, it's like being involved in occult activity because you're not all in. We must refuse to rank sin. We must refuse as followers of Jesus to put a number on what sin really is. It's crazy when you start to think about it, that porn and gossip are sin. But for many of us, we'll put a nine on porn addiction and put a one on gossip. We, if we're not careful, will attack what we feel less likely to participate in. It's sin. It's a stronghold. Alcoholism and anger. I remember some of my first introduction to church and people would, they would go off on people that battled alcoholism. But they would have such a pissy attitude toward life, angry about everything. And they had already ranked that their sin was about a one compared to the other person at a nine. Gluttony mm-hmm. and lying. Quit ranking sin. It's all rank. It all stinks. It all smells. It can all become a stronghold in our life. Are y'all listening to me? God wants to free us up. And if we're going to experience soul restoration, we've got to deal with anything that hinders the Spirit of the Lord having total freedom in our lives. Now, how do I recognize a stronghold? I've given you some lists and kind of broke down a few thoughts for you. It's an area of continuous defeat. Just frustrated with it. Can't seem to overcome it. 
That's where I lived before I met Jesus. I'm not going to lie to you. And still had to battle through a bunch of this stuff. Uh, it has become an obsession. It's constantly on your mind. I've got a friend that played in the NFL as a quarterback. And he told me that he got so strung out on pain pills, the oxys. He told me that he would wake up at 1.30 in the morning going, man, i got to wait another hour before I can do a hit, before I can do my fix. He said, dude, he said, it, it was so strong on my mind nonstop. It controlled my day. It controlled everything about me. And Dan, as you do this class, you and Heather, you know as well as I do, you've got to confront those things. It's like, man, it's a stronghold. It's constantly on my mind. It's become the object of my affection. It drives the way I do life. It's a thought of frequent fantasy. So many guys and gals can get here too. They start living in the land of what if. What if I did this? What if I could get by with it? What if nobody would know? What if, what if? And, and, and you start to gravitate there. And before you know it, man, you're, you're a wreck. You know deep down inside it's a stronghold because you know it's twisted thinking. You know it's perverted. You know deep down inside it's opposed to the will of God. But somehow you, you continue to fantasize with it and let it stay there. Now here's what I know about strongholds. Strongholds are stubborn. They're, they're stubborn. They seem impossible to break. When, when you have allowed a, a stronghold to grab a hold of you, it's stubborn. You look at it going, I, I, I don't know if I can get over this. Sandy, you know, you've dealt with this. They cannot be broken through religious activity. This is something I know. People have tried religion. They have tried church. They, God never tells us to try him. He calls us to trust him. You, you can't overcome it through your own strength. They're, they're, they're stubborn. Butch, they're irrational. They don't even make any sense when you start to cut them open. A habit can become an addiction that can ruin your health and make your life miserable. Something we use that we think will help us sleep better or rest better or function better, if we're not careful, it can get such a hold on us and eventually lead to death. I've seen this happen. I've seen people in our church weep as they confess their closet drinking, hiding their vodka, hiding their pills, they don't want anybody to know, I, I got to hide it over here. And when you're hiding, you're living in defeat. God hates secrets. And I understand that it's real. Addictions can be real. Strongholds can be real. But when you stop and you start to get clean and start to move in a healthy direction, you look back at it and you go, it didn't even make any sense. Why would I put that in my system? Why would I continue to do that? Why would I continue to look at that? They're uncontrollable in the flesh. A pattern of behavior becomes a habit. Feelings of depression, out of control, temper, compulsive eating. There are so many people that use food as a narcotic. They just keep eating and eating and finally... I can fall asleep now. Uh, I'm looking for rest and I'm hurting and I'm tired. 
Maybe I'm not going out drinking a stinking 12. And maybe I'm not going through a couple of bottles of wine every night. Maybe, maybe I'm not dropping, dropping all these pills in my system or smoking a couple of J's before I hit the bed. But, but, but deep down inside, it's compulsive eating or compulsive anything. How's that working? And God wants to free us today. God wants to set the captive free. I'm telling you, he does. I know from personal experience, and I believe with all my heart, that Jesus Christ is the only answer for true deliverance. Jesus Christ and the shed blood of the Lamb of God, through personal repentance, faith, trust, surrender, and allowing the Holy Spirit to permeate everything inside of me, it is the only answer for deliverance. When you reach a place of hopelessness and you believe there's no hope, you've got one of two options if you reject and refuse Jesus. I promise you, you look at it and you go, I'm not going to surrender to Christ. I'm not willing to repent. I'm not willing to follow in obedience, Jesus. You've got one of two options. You either look at whatever the stronghold bondage sin is, and you go, you know what? This is just the way I am. I'm just going to keep doing it. Or you look at that option and say, I can't handle that. Death is attractive, and suicide becomes an option for you. And it's sad because Jesus offers us hope, offers us healing, offers us a solution. Strongholds are not easy to overcome. Say it again. Strongholds cannot be defeated by human effort. There is victory through Jesus Christ and him alone. My buddy Butch is here this morning. Richard is here this morning. You will see on your bulletin, Recovery at the Cross. Recovery at the Cross. Their cell phone numbers are there. These guys care every Thursday night, 7 p.m. If you've got a stronghold, you're in bondage, and you're saying, I want to be set free. I need hope. I need healing. I, I need help. There's a team of these guys and ladies that will walk with you through this. You've got a text. Help me out. I, I can't stay stuck and defeated any longer. We're proactive when it comes to wanting to see you free. Now, how do strongholds take root in our lives and get deep down inside of us? It always starts with a belief, a thought pattern. It never starts with an action. Something inside of us has to reach a conclusion in a belief system. I call it your COB, your COB, a core operational belief down inside. The, the belief system starts to drive everything you do. I'm no good. I'm ugly. I'm dirty. I'm screwed up. I'll never amount to anything. Some type of belief has to start to take root inside of you. And when that starts to happen, you start to empower thinking and actions and all this stuff that makes no sense. Here, here it is. A stronghold becomes a mindset, a value system 
that hinders any type of spiritual growth, maturation, and progress in your life. Your beliefs become your thoughts. That's the reason we're, we're told to take every thought captive. That's the reason we're told in Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the reason we're told in Philippians 4 that whatever is right, pure, holy, lovely, excellent, praiseworthy, let your mind dwell on these things. It's a thought process that leads to words. You start to speak what your belief is based on your thoughts. You start to say things that are inconsistent with the word of God, the will of God. You start to talk out of defeat. Your words become your actions. It starts to manifest. Other people can see it. Your actions are your habits, and your habits now become your values, and your values become your destiny. You want to change your destiny? Change your core belief. God loves you. God is for you. If God is for you, who can be against you? God has given you divine power to break anything that you're going through today. There's not a person under my voice that God desires to see, to see stuck in defeat. You can be set free through the shed blood and the power of the gospel. But what ends up happening is these habits, these values, this thought process, it starts to drive our destiny and people get stuck. Strongholds do not develop overnight. It's a process. And usually after we've been in this process, stuck in this stronghold, listen to me, if you were wallowing in sin, whatever your sin has been, your stronghold has been, this is what I know. You could be walking clean for a week, for a month, for a year. You could start to move toward what it really means to be free in Jesus. But if you go back and open that door, you don't start at where you started. You start at where you left it. You pick up that junk where you left it off. Our flesh always goes back and gravitates to that point of Here's where I was. We never go back and start at T-ball. We go right back to the big league level of whatever we were doing. So how do you defeat them? And I promise you, you can defeat them. You can experience soul restoration. I promise you. You repent and you receive Jesus Christ personally. It's a personal transaction between you and God. It's not anything a friend, family member, or anyone else does. He goes, you follow me, Tim. Don't worry about your mom and daddy. You follow me. Don't worry about your brother and sister, your friends. You follow me. How does that happen? I have to reach a place of disgust. I'm sick of being sick. I'm sick and tired of me. I don't want to stay here anymore. Disgust then leads me to desperation. Something's got to change. I've got to have freedom. I've got to have hope. I've got to have healing. And it's disgust and desperation that leads me to deliverance. You will not experience the deliverance of God if you're not disgusted with your sin and your sickness and you, don't, you haven't reached that place of desperation. You will try God. God will become nothing more than a band-aid for you. It doesn't work. Our faith and allegiance must be in Jesus. It's got to be in Jesus, guys. And I'm talking about a 24-7, 365 relationship with Jesus. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I don't pick him up on Sunday and drop him off during the week. I have to walk with him every day. 
And just because you become a follower of Jesus doesn't mean that you're not going to have the temptations, troubles, and pressures. If anything, the, the enemy is going to come at you even stronger. That's the reason you've got to be ready. Here would be a second thing. Recognize your weapons. For the weapons we fight with have divine power. We must utilize prayer. We must utilize the word of God. There's certain things that we've got to press into. I would highly encourage you every morning to wake up and ponder, read, reflect, memorize it, meditate on Ephesians chapter 6. Meditate on it. He says right here, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the evil one. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in the heavenlies, fighting wickedness and all this stuff. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you can resist the, the evil and the devil when he comes at you. And doing everything to stand firm, keep standing firm. Gird your loins with truth. Put truth on. Gird yourself up with truth. Then he says this, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Start to walk as a righteous child of God. You've been declared righteous, justified. He says, shod your feet with a gospel of peace. Take the shield of faith so that you can extinguish the fiery darts the enemy throws at you. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I'm telling you right now, we have to know. We have to know God's truth. Gird your loins for truth. Take the sword, the rhema sayings of God. When the enemy comes, quote God's Word at, at him. He can't stand against God's truth. Take the shield of faith. Walk in faith every day. Step out. Trust me. Trust that I'm enough. I would highly encourage you, if you're going to break down any of these strongholds and experience lasting soul restoration in your life, you've got to recognize what your weapons are. Prayer, intercession, running to God no matter what. The Spirit makes intercessions with groanings that we don't even comprehend. God has given us so much more than the enemy has. It would be a third one. Man, I really want to defeat this stronghold. What do I do, Tim? I would highly encourage you to quit blaming everyone else. Quit blaming everybody else. Yeah, you got dumped on. You got hurt along the way. But quit blaming everybody else. Usually when there's chaos, you had a contributing part in it at some level. You violated the word of God. You, 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 you ignored some red flags along the way. All of us have to just stop blaming and go, you know what, what, what is God teaching me? What do I own in this? And here would be a last one. Rely on the assistance of other people. That's the reason we push small groups so big here. Whether you're in Arise or Bloom or whether you're in a small group, that's the reason I'm telling you, get involved in this spiritual warfare class on the second and fourth Wednesdays. Learn to put on the armor. Learn to be able to fight from an offensive standpoint. Rely on the assistance of others. We have a counseling ministry. Again, it is on your bulletin, crossed up. 
at the Cross Loganville. My buddy Richard drives that thing. Man, I need some one-on-one counseling. I would benefit from sitting down. Let us walk with you and help you in this process. Now, let me go back to the text and wrap it up, and then we're going we're gonna to go to a place of movement and transaction for us today. Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with have divine power. They're able to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. Here's the text. We, we, we. Here's what I want you to know. The battle is spiritual, guys. The battle is spiritual for you today. It's spiritual for me. The enemy is real. We do not wage war. We do not fight like the world fights. When Paul writes, listen to this, Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Between this world and this greater divine power of God is where you find this battle taking place. Do not be conformed. If you're conformed, the enemy is above you and the enemy will eat your lunch. Be transformed. God is greater than. When I get the mind of Christ, I'm above the satanic stuff. Now, I find myself still in the world, but not of the world, but I have divine power now that I'm plugged into, calling on, that gives me this triumphant victory over whatever. Makes sense. The powers and the principalities and the wickedness are below the holiness of God. I got to be transformed every day. I was on this right after I got saved. I'm telling you, when Peretti started writing all that stuff, this present darkness and all that stuff, I was a young believer. I'm like, what is all this about? And started getting into understanding spiritual warfare and the wickedness and realizing that I had to have the power of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God, through this relationship with Jesus Christ. He has declared me righteous. I had to have the power of the gospel. You got to have it. I'm, I'm telling you right now, if you're not living transformed, you will conform and the enemy will try to take you out every day. He's going to try to take all of us out. So the battle is spiritual. The battle is powerful. It's powerful. That's why he says we have divine power. We've got the dunamis. We've got the dynamite of God to be able to do battle. Here's the third thing. The battle is personal Variable temptation. I'm telling you right now, your battle is similar, but your battle is unique. What you battle is similar. No temptation is taking you, but such is common to man. What you battle is similar, but it's unique. What you gravitate toward, the weakness of your flesh, how you try to gratify your flesh, it's unique. Listen to what he says here. We demolish arguments and pretension. We take every thought captive. The word argument there is the word for human reasoning. It goes all the way back to Genesis when the serpent looked at Adam and Eve and said, God knows when you eat this, you're going to become like God. He uses the argument of, has God really said you can't do that? Has God really said that? 
That's the culture in which we live, the postmodern culture is eliminating that God has spoken. As we start this new series next week, a four-week series on family matters, dealing with home life and establishing Christ-centered root system and foundation in the home, I'm going to go there with a postmodern style thinking. Has God really said? Question God. Question authority. When you start to question it, you start to dismiss it, you deny it, and you're left to your own reasoning. He says, we destroy and we demolish these arguments and these pretensions. Pretensions are false claims. Look at how this is going to satisfy you. Look at how this is going to make you feel. Look at what this is going to give you. Look at the rush you're going to get off of this. And we, if we're not careful, if we don't take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, what we start to do is to empower these arguments and these pretensions. The world says, go for it. Yeah, dude. You're going to feel good if you do this. It's going to make you better. And it doesn't. Let me hit this. We must confront all forms of idolatry. We've got to confront every form of idolatry. Here's my working definition. Idolatry is confidence in something other than God. All the way back to Exodus 20, when God gave the Ten Commands, he said, you shall have no other gods, idols, anything. So an idol is confidence in something other than God. An idol is anything I depend on to meet my needs other than Christ. What am I depending on? I wrote down examples that are like abilities and talents. I'm depending on my abilities and talents. How far is that going to get you? And they have an expiration date. I'm depending on my wisdom and my reasoning and even my good intentions. I'm depending on something other than Christ. It's Jesus plus nothing equals completion. I'm depending on my plans for the future. I'm depending on my strength. I'm depending on how others define my self-worth. I'm depending on my hard work. We must take every thought captive. And we, through the divine power that God's given us, must demolish any pretension, any assumption, any argument that raises its head against God's divine truth. Now, the battle is spiritual. It's powerful. It's personal. I got good news. The battle can be won. The battle has been one, through Jesus Christ. But as we're in Christ and Christ is in us, the hope of glory, the battle can be won every day by us. You've got to confess whatever the stronghold. You've got to repent. You've got to be, be willing to obey. Not partial, but saying I'm willing to obey God whatever you show me to do. Now, the enemy's going to come against you. He wants to take you out. He wants to take you down. But greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. Christ is greater. The Holy Spirit is greater. Why would you want to conclude this series on soul restoration after breaking down Jacob, Joseph, and Elijah with this? 
Because I know with all my heart that there's still people in this room that are in chains, that are still gripped by the enemy. And God is going, I want to free you. I want to free you.